All right, so I'm Alan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I say, uh, it's good to be at Cross Point. Are you glad to be here? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Now, look, hey, y'all over here, I, I speak a lot shorter the louder y'all get. So speak to me, and this will be short. <clears throat> so, listen, I, I heard just a minute ago school supplies, right? All the students just went, oh my gosh school. Teachers, it's like, oh my gosh, school. And the parents are going like, yes! Yeah! Right? So, man, I'm, I'm so honored to be with y'all. Thank you, Melanie and Ken, for having me here today. It's an honor. I'm Alan, grateful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with self-esteem, self-worth, uh, codependency. I was molested when I was a child, when I was six and ten, inappropriately touched. And I'm going to tell you, it totally... Uh, Wow, it messed with my, my thoughts, the way I perceived myself. You know, I, I just felt like as a six-year-old and a 10-year-old, I really didn't underst- understand what happened. I just knew that something wasn't right. And so uh, anyway, I'm thankful for Celebrate Recovery, that through the tools of Celebrate Recovery, not only was I able to traverse that, kind of get that in check and, and understand. Listen, I want you to understand something. Because what what I had done is I kept things that happened to me as a child secret because I was afraid that if I told my parents, my parents would, it would destroy them. They quit their job. They quit their jobs. We'd have to sell the house. We sold the house and we, me and my sisters wouldn't have a place to live. And so all those things just kind of buried in my, in my heart. I, I shoved them down. Then I started dating I got married, and I'm thinking, man, I'm not telling my wife because if my wife knows that I've been molested or inappropriately touched, she's going to think I'm damaged goods, so the secrets go deeper and pressed in. And then I get into church work when I'm about 18, uh, 19 years old. I'm thinking, you sure don't come out to the church and tell them those things that's happening because then they're going to think, man, my staff guy, he's damaged. These are all just you know, lies of the enemy that's in my head. Telling me that I'm suppressing these secrets, and I'm thankful for a ministry like Celebrate Recovery that gives us the tools uh, and the ability to go back cognitively, process things in our life, and understand. Listen, I don't get my value from you, and for years that that was kind of the the process of things. I put unfair expectations on my wife because I expected her to give me value. She can't. Man, God gives me value. And that's where I get my value. And so through Celebrate Recovery, it helped me to understand that, man, people pleasing, listen, I can't please all of you. You know, some of you are going to like this today, and then some of you are going to go out here and say, that sucked today. <laughs> so, but I'm okay with that. I'm sorry, Celie. <laughs> but, you know, I can't please, you know, but I understand, students, I understand this, that my value comes from God. And I, and I rest in that, and I'm just going to be the best version of me that I can be. I'm going to tell you one other thing that I'm going to hit this real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. One of the other things, I, I'm, I'm thankful that Crosspoint has the vision to have something like Celebrate Recovery. I have a, a family member. I'm going to keep this anonymous. But I have a family member that back in the early 1990s that grew up in church, and uh, love God, just like me, 
You know, I, I've had a drug problem since I was 10 days old. Seriously, I, I was drugged to church since I was 10 days old. <clears throat> and, and this family member, it was the same way, went to church all their life. And I want you, I want you to hear what I have to say because this, this liked to wreck my life. This loved one that I knew back in 1992, uh, had a great job. They embezzled some money. This is in my family, okay? And this happened to be one that was my hero that I looked up to. I wanted to mimic. I idolized them. I wanted to be just like them. They were a bank president. They embezzled some money, and they went to prison for, for two years. For two years, I didn't get to see them. And it crushed my family. But, but here's what I want to say. When they got out of prison, back into the free world, their church that they went to kind of did this. And this loved one of mine has never been back to church since because they have a what we call a church wound. Y'all... There's brokenness all around us. In our community, Grand Prairie is no different than Waxahachie, Ennis, wherever we go. There's brokenness everywhere. And we can turn our back to it and pretend that it doesn't exist. But you know what? I feel like and one of the things I love about my job is I want to love on those broken people. I want to love on those that have, maybe have made bad choices. But y'all, if we don't reach out to them, who is? If we don't tell them about the message of Jesus, who is going to? So there is no hope. Anyway, so I'm thankful for a church that will embrace brokenness. I'm thankful for a church that will provide a ministry like Celebrate Recovery. So one more story, and then I'm going to just share a little piece of, of Scripture. Because I think, that, I think this is important. Because <clears throat> one of the things that challenged me, and, and I learned in Celebrate Recovery, <clears throat> is I think that we all desperately need love. Now, I've got three kids. Let me back up a little bit. For, I, I'm, the young, I'm the youngest of three kids. I'm the spoiled one. My mom was, was one of these, the mom that just loved everybody. She hugged everybody, kissed everybody. It was great. My dad was a little bit smaller than me, but he was a man's man. He was the one that did all the discipline. All you guys in here, anybody do that? You know, the kids are, the kids are acting up, and, and the mom says, hey, you wait till your daddy gets home, and he's going to wear you out. That's what, that's what my dad was. You know, and I was like, man, I don't want to see my dad when I get home because I know I'm going to get beat. In fact, my dad was one of these that said, he said, every morning he would come and get me, and he'd say, son, come here, I'm going to spank you. And I'm like, God, I just, I just got out of bed. Come here, I'm going to spank you because I know sometime today you're going to mess up. I'm going to miss it, so I'm going to get you now. <laughs> so, so my dad was a hard man, and I, I, just remember, I just remember very few times, very few times when I was growing up that my dad said, I love you. I just, and I wanted that. As, as a teenage boy, I wanted to hear my dad say, I love you. <clears throat> anyway, so as I got married, I have three kids, and uh, I wanted my kids to know that they were desperately loved. 
And I made it a point every day, tried to, to tell them that I love them. Now, I've got three kids. The first two kids were easy. God, I'm like, after my first two kids, I was like, parenting is not hard at all. This is easy. In fact, my first two, I had to watch how I looked at them. Because if I looked at them too stern, it's like, oh, the world was just broke. My third, well, I'll just say this. My third, if he'd been a first, he'd have been an only child. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Anybody have third, that third child? Yeah. All right, don't raise your hand. <clears throat> but anyway, I wanted my kids to know that, that they're loved. And so I started this thing with them, y'all, that uh, I started with my daughter, April, that when she was, man, she was tiny, maybe a year old, that I would get down over her and I would say, April, read my lips. I love you. And I started doing that every day. And uh, about the time that she got two or three years old, I could get down and say, April, read my lips. And I, I wouldn't say a thing. I would just move my lips and I would go. And she would go, I love you too. And so this is just one of those things that we did. And I remember taking her to first grade, Northside Elementary in Waxahachie. I took her to her class because I wanted to scope out the dudes. I wanted to scope out those guys in that room and just let them know that dad, dad's around. I took her to class. I sat on her desk and walked out. I'm walking out of class, and about the time that I hit the doors in the back of the classroom, I hear this little bitty voice, and you parents understand this, out of 25, 30 voices, you know your kid. And so I hear this voice go, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. And I turned around, and she went, read my lips. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I started bawling. You know, here I am. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a grown dude. I'm a grown man. And I'm, I'm like, I'm sobbing. I'm not like crying. I'm sobbing, <laughs> sucking air. <laughs> what I didn't tell you was that this is, this is true. The principal of the school at the time used to be my football coach. <laughs> so he's walking down the hallway and he sees me. And he, he slaps me on the rear end and goes, dude, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> So here's what I want you to understand this morning. Cross point, read my lips. I love you, and I'm thankful that you have a vision for broken people. I love you desperately, and uh, it's an honor. Thank you uh, for allowing me to, to just share this day with you. I just want to share a passage of Scripture very quickly with you <clears throat> that God just laid on my heart. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Y'all, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I love it. I love technology, don't you? All right, so at one of the churches that I used to go to, and y'all may do this here, I don't know. We just sang about it, all right? We just sang about this. But at one of the churches I was at, we used to say this. God is good. All the time. Oh, y'all are good. Y'all are good. So then we go, I would say, all the time. God is good. 
So let's do it again. God is good. All the time. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, have, has there been a time that you doubted that? Let's be honest. I know the church answer. Remember, I was drugged to church since I was 10 days old. And I know that we're supposed to say God is good all the time. I know the church answer. But has there been a time in your life that you wondered, God, where are you at? What, what's happening? Maybe it was a time in your life that your parents divorced. And all of a sudden your family is fractured and you're going, God, God where are you at? Or maybe it was a time that somebody betrayed you. You had confidence in them, you loved them, and then all of a sudden they betrayed you. And you're thinking, God, where are you at? Or maybe there's illness in your family, and you're at the bedside of somebody, and you're going, God, where are you at? I just don't understand. Or maybe it may be as simple as an everyday thing that, God, I've been dealing with anxiety for years. When am I going to get through this? Where are you at? This depression is choking me. Where are you at? Can we be honest? There have been times that I've asked God, where are you at? There was a time back in uh, 2011, 2010, 11, that I had moved to northeast Arkansas, eight and a half hours from home. My daughter was going through a terrible, horrible divorce. And I remember asking God, where are you at? I'm trying my best to serve you. I have moved eight and a half hours from home. Where are you? Can we be honest about that? Or is it just me? I think there are times we wonder, God, where are you at? But you know, as I look in, in the Bible, you can see traces of this throughout all history. In the Old Testament, we have the, this, the story of Jeremiah. And we know Jeremiah was known as the what prophet? The weeping prophet. Jeremiah, he wept. There was uh, brokenness. There was heartache. And Jeremiah said, you know, why won't these people turn? God, where are you at? And then we know there's, a, there's another man in the Old Testament. His name is David. And David is known as what? The man after God's heart. But David would retreat often into a cave. And David would ask, God, where are you at? My enemies are coming after me. I'm serving you, and it just seems like I don't feel you. There's also King Hezekiah. There's a story of him where he felt absolutely abandoned by God. In the New Testament, we can find John the Baptist, who was what? He was the front runner of Jesus to introduce Jesus. But he was falsely accused, and he was beheaded. And we can talk about Paul, who really pursued God, but yet was mistreated. There has been, what I'm trying to say is there have been suffering and brokenness throughout all eternity. We just live in brokenness. Why? Why is that, why, why do we experience suffering? I wish I could give you a, a really nice answer, but I can't. All I know is this. 
We live in a broken world. There was something I learned in seminary, and it was this. It's this word word or phrase called free will. That I have free will. In my free will, I can choose to love God or I can choose to walk away from God. We can choose to love God or we can choose to do the right thing or we may choose to do the wrong thing, but we have free will to make choices. And because we have free will to to choose to do right or to do wrong, there's going to be suffering. That's just the way it is. There's going to be good things that come our way, but because of free will, there's also going to be suffering that comes our way too. And sometimes we say this, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever heard that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me let you in on a little secret. None of us are good. In fact, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Y'all, there's only been one person that was good, and that was Jesus. And Jesus chose suffering. Jesus was born in a manger, suffered mockery, persecuted, ultimately hung on a cross. He experienced suffering. Why? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. And so I'm going to wrap up this time of my time with you this morning with this. In Psalm 73, I'm just going to read this to you. If you've got a smartphone or if you have your Bible, I'm going to read this to you. This, this is a psalm from a guy named Asaph. A-S-A-P-H. Asaph. Now, most, most of the psalm we know was, was David's psalms, but Asaph wrote about a dozen psalms. Now, the thing about Asaph was he was the music director. He was the worship leader. He probably rocked some skinny jeans that he rolled up at. The, I'm teasing. I'm just joking. But he was. He was a poet. He was the music leader. He was a prophet. But he's writing this particular psalm in 73. And watch where this worship leader goes. He says, they have no struggles. Now, when he says, this is verse 2. No, verse 4. When he's talking about they have no struggles, struggles, he's talking about the wicked, the bad guys in town. He says they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. It doesn't make sense. They are free from Common human burdens, and they are not plagued by human ills. Have you ever felt like that? That you're trying to do the very best you can, but it just seems like all the the bad people in the world just seem to accumulate wealth, and they're doing well, and we just, like Siri said, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. That's where he's at. He says, therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves in violence. These are some bad people. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice and arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possessions of earth. Therefore, the people turn to them, drink waters in abundance. Everything they do seems to prosper. Have you ever known people like that? They're, they may be bad people, but it just seems like everything they touch prospers. That's where Asaph is at. He's going, God, where are you at? 
But he, he goes on to say this. They say, how would God know? Does God even know what's going on here? God, where are you at? Does the Most High know anything? This is the music guy. And then he goes on to say, this is what the, the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. This is, this is Asaph saying, I have strived so hard, I've worked so hard to have a pure heart. And I've washed my hands in innocence. Man, I've tried to live an innocent life and do what's right. But all the day long, I've been, I've been afflicted. And every morning brings what? New punishments. God, where are you at? All these bad people around me seem to be doing well. All the bad kids at school seem to be doing well. They're making bad choices. But it seems like everything's going good for them and all that. God, where are you at? Have you ever felt like that? And I'm talking about us good church people. God, where are you at? Y'all, sometimes I can't, I can't tell you why difficult things happen. I just know this. Everything passes through God's hands. God knows. And they pass through his hands. And I do know this too. Several years ago, I used to be a competitive runner. I did marathons, I did more marathons than I can count. But I had an ugly fall and I destroyed my left leg, just destroyed it. And I had to have surgery. There was a surgeon named Dr. Mark Rue who put my, my leg back together. And it hurt. It hurt bad. Now, did Mark Rue hate me? He caused me pain, but did he hate me? No. He was trying to put me together so I would be better. If that wasn't enough, I had to do some physical therapy. Any, any of you done that? My physical therapist, her husband's on staff with me. And Ashley Miller, my physical therapist, tried to put my leg behind my head. <laughs> it hurt. But there was purpose in the pain that she was trying to get me to a point of productivity again. Y'all, there are going to be times in our life that we may hurt, but it doesn't mean that God's mad at us. It doesn't mean that God hates you. But here's what I know. God loves you. God cares for you, and you mean so much to him. But here's how that, that particular song ends, and then I'm done, and I'm going to take a seat. If, come on. There we go. If you look at the, at the last verse that I'm going to read, verse uh, 16, look at that. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. When I tried to understand why the wicked were prospering and they amassed wealth, it troubled me. My head was just absolutely blown. But verse 17, I want you to look at that. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Y'all, there are going to be times in our life that we don't understand. Let's just let's admit it. There are going to be times that, that I show up at, at somebody's funeral or something difficult happened. I don't have the answer. 
there are going to be difficult things. There's going to be suffering in our life that we may not understand. But here's what I do know. It will make sense when we get into God's presence. When we get into God's presence, some of this confusion, God will speak. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good.